Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Monday Mailbag. My name is Chris, and I am excited to get into the topics this week. We had a busy week, obviously, with March Madness going on, and Texas Tech-related, we had a solid outing by the men's baseball team, as well as the women's basketball team competing in the NIT, but they're fighting hard, and I can't wait to talk about them. So without further ado, we didn't get a chance to get out the mailbag, but just kind of covered a few topics that we figured would be some basic questions that would be asked. So let's get into it. First question is, what's been my personal favorite game of March Madness? So obviously we've had a few huge upsets. We've had some very close games here and there. And my personal favorite would have to have been the first round matchup between TCU and Arizona State. Arizona State obviously played in the playing game and they won that and usually when you play in the playing game there's not many expectations going in you know they, these teams Pitt and Arizona State both were two tough teams coming out of there and obviously they are power conference teams with Pitt being in the ACC and Arizona State being in the Pac-12 but I mean we all saw what happened with Pitt and I'll get to that game in the next question but Arizona State put up a fight against a TCU team that many thought had a chance to make a tournament run, make a very deep run. You know, they have a lot of veteran leadership. Obviously, missing Eddie Lamkin, I think, ultimately doomed them yesterday against Gonzaga. They, I mean, we all saw Drew Timmy put up a huge performance, and they were just out-rebounding TCU, and, you know, it's just one of those things you suck to see. It sucks to see the situation going down the way that it did, but... That's not what we're here to talk about. Let's talk about this game. Mike Miles Jr., probably one of my favorite players that I unfortunately have to dislike being that he is on TCU. He put up 26 points, and probably the most important thing is he was 12 for 14 from the free throw line, and every point counted. I mean, this Arizona State team had them on the ropes. I had a lot of faith in TCU just being able to at least – make it a comfortable win maybe not like a blowout but I thought I thought TCU matched up pretty well with Arizona State but DJ Horn along with a few other guys just lit it up for Arizona State and they were doing really good on defense too against this TCU team and it didn't it took pretty TCU pretty much to the last few minutes of the game to actually take a lead but uh T, like I mentioned DJ Horn he had that three-pointer with like 13 seconds left that tied up the game but uh, Jacob Cole had that game-winning floater with three seconds left, I'm pretty sure. And, yeah, no, that just 
what a game. What an exciting game. That was probably one of the most exciting games that wasn't just a, an upset bias game. Because, I mean, we saw Fairly Dickinson win. That one was amazing. Obviously, the end of the Virginia game was crazy. And it was awesome to see Furman go through in advance. My least favorite one was Princeton because I had Arizona winning the national championship in quite a few brackets. So that one was a little bit more on the heartbreaking side than the others. But, you know, it is what it is. It's March Madness for a reason. There's no perfect brackets remaining after the first day of the second games, the second round games. So that just tells you how crazy this game could be. A few honorable mentions. I I mean, you can't go wrong with the Arkansas and Kansas game. Kansas was leading for the most part at the end, and then that Arkansas team was just, I mean, I'll I'll talk about them too in the next segment, but that was a great game. I mean, you got to go with the Purdue game being an amazing game, just how fairly Dickinson was able to shut down Zach Eady at the end, and he didn't take a single shot for like the last part of the game, and he's our best player, and Fairly Dickinson's like averages out to be one of the smallest teams. I think they were the smallest team in the tournament based off of the players that actually get onto the court, and they were able to shut down a team that's one of the biggest teams in the tournament. That's just a true David and Goliath situation there. I mean, I personally liked the Florida Atlantic and Memphis game. I know there was a little bit of controversy with some of those calls, but... At the end of the day, Florida Atlantic's a 31-win team. You can't say it was a fluky win and Memphis deserved to, you know, have this or that. You know, the the, the call should have been called, but that just kind of happens with every game. You know, you learn as a sports fan that there's going to be bad calls all around. The refs are going to miss miss things. The players are going to think that they didn't do something wrong. And the fans, of course, are going to be on the players' side. It's just, it is what it is. And it's unfortunate to see that uh, Penny Hardaway didn't get a chance to advance in the tournament you would have liked to have seen them kind of make a run they have the the talent too i mean they obviously have the talent too it's memphis and it's penny hardaway but nonetheless i think that my favorite game was the tcu and arizona state game that game was exciting from start to finish obviously with tcu you just figure that they were going to make that run and they waited a very long time to make that run but inevitably it came to and just happy to see the Horn Frogs at least get to the second round, and you know I'm 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 kind of on the border between rooting for Big Twelve and not really caring about how they do. I more so just was rooting for my bracket, but I also like watching Mike Miles Jr. play basketball. Probably one of my favorite players that I've ever watched. He's just the way that he can take over a game. He's so efficient, and you know unfortunately he plays for the Horn Frogs, but. Definitely got to give credit where credit is due. The second question, the most shocking Big 12 loss. So let me go off the top of my head. Actually, I think I have it here. The uh, Big 12 games were Kansas State and Texas are still playing. West Virginia lost early. That that wasn't surprising. I think I had Maryland winning. It was an 8-9 game. There was no really shock. I think it was shocking that West Virginia gave up the lead that they gave up. But for the most part... I thought that they, I thought Maryland was going to advance regardless, and either way, one of them was going to lose to Alabama, so didn't really matter. Um, I know we had TCU obviously losing to Gonzaga. That's not really surprising. Gonzaga is a tough team always, and that was a close game for a while. But Gonzaga, Gonzaga's leadership and they're just big guys really stepped up for them. That was a, that was a solid game last night as well. 
So Kansas State obviously is advancing. They did amazing against Kentucky. I loved watching that game. I watched most of that game, and just the way that they close them out, this the, like the talent that Kansas State has, and the job that Tang has done in his first year as head coach. Been a lot of stories like that in the Big Twelve. Pretty much all the sports. I mean TCU both these past two years with uh, Sonny Dykes and last year with their basketball team. I'm pretty sure they got a new head coach last year, if I'm not mistaken. If I am, then excuse me. But for the most part, these first-year head coaches are starting to have a lot more of an impact than they usually have. I'm excited to see what Texas Tech, hey, maybe Texas Tech will you know, build off of the luck that first-year coaches are having and make a little run for themselves. But I would say that the most shocking loss from the Big 12 was Iowa State. And I know what you're going to say. Kansas was a one seed. They lost to an Arkansas team. For those, and obviously not everybody's interested in everything else, no shot at anybody, but for those who are not under the Big 12 umbrella and kind of have an overall understanding of college basketball, pay attention to the grand scheme of things, Arkansas was a team that when the season started, with the way that their recruiting went, especially with the transfer portal and just in general, they were a team that when the season started, and even I think they did really, really good in their uh, Invitational that they started. I forgot which one. I don't know if they were at the Maui Invitational or a different one, but they were a team that was expected to be a national title contender. And obviously injuries happened, and they kind of fell off a little bit. With uh, They were either the 8 or 9 seed. I'm pretty sure they're the 9 seed, but... Regardless, that team is talented and healthy. So there is no reason to believe that this team is in a national contender, national title contender still. They have all the talent in the world to compete with anybody. Obviously, we saw them knock off the defending national champions. And I'm not really surprised. I, I, I had Arkansas winning that game. I thought that they were they matched up very well with Kansas. And it was a close game all the way until the end. I mean, it, was, it ended up being a close game. Game two, it was 72-71, but that game was just amazing to watch. That one's up there, too, with the best games of the weekend. That one was insane, but I wouldn't say that I'm shocked that Kansas lost. Obviously, they're the one seed, and Arkansas was a nine seed, so technically speaking, by the numbers, they it was a shocking loss, but Iowa State shooting 9% from the three-point line and 23% field goal percentage was just insane. And the way that they they won the offensive rebounds, and they let and they won the turnover battle. I do not know how they ended up losing this game because they started off so poorly. They came back, and you really thought that this Iowa State team was going to have a nice comeback once they started making it a little bit closer. Because Pitt isn't all that good of a team, and somehow they were playing like out of their minds, and they made Iowa State look like the lesser team. And I still believe that this Iowa State team is a better team than Pitt, but they just had. They picked the worst time to have their worst game ever. I mean, at least the worst start. They, oh my gosh, 9% from the three-point line, like I said, 23% field goal percentage. I just don't know how that even, like, they've made a nice run last year. They, like, they have had a good first two seasons under their new head coach, TJ. I don't want to try and pronounce his last name. I feel like I'm going to pronounce it wrong. But it's just like, I don't know how Iowa State had that bad of a performance against a pit team that had to play in the playing game to get into the tournament. Obviously, we've seen some stories where those teams go on a little bit of a run, but just the way that I saw Iowa State play this year in the Big 12, I thought that they had a little bit more left in the tank. I thought that they would have a better chance to advance, but 
it just wasn't their day. I mean, Pitt ended up losing in the second round anyway, so it's not like Pitt's this magical destiny team, but so that was probably the most shocking game. And off the top of my head, I think, yeah, West Virginia lost. Oklahoma State didn't make it. So, yeah, I think I covered all my bases on the Big 12 teams. So unless there's one that I'm missing, that's really probably the most shocking loss. And as far as the future of the Big 12 in this tournament, I mean, there are some great matchups for these two teams that are still left. Texas versus Xavier is going to be a hell of a game. I think Texas, I give Texas the edge. I have Texas making it to the national championship. I'm sorry, like I said, but not even for not even for my bracket's sake anymore because for the most part, my bracket is done and I'm just kind of relying on Texas to make it to the national championship. But this team is just so talented. They, they have different guys stepping up every single game. It's just, there, there's so many guys who can take over a game. Dylan Disu took over this game, had 26 or 28 points, something like that. Had a hell of a game. I mean, they have the guard play to advance, the big guys. I mean, Dylan Dissou is pretty big, and he kind of plays as one of the big guys when they go a little bit smaller. But Texas just has the overall talent on that team to make a big run. I hate boasting about them, but this is, we're just kind of taking out the Big 12 bias here and talking about, you know, what's realistic. And Kansas State's another team. I mean, they're a three seed. It's not like this is a low seed Kansas State team that's going to make another run to the Final Four or Elite Eight. This Kansas State team has a lot of potential to advance into I, I i see them probably ending in the elite eight but i honestly like the way that that bracket the way that that certain section of the bracket has played out i wouldn't be shocked if they get past michigan state although i think michigan state's a favorite which is just weird to me i know michigan state's in the sweet 16 and they you know defeated marquette and got past usc but i think kansas state wins that game and i think they win that game by more than well i mean i think michigan state's like one point favorite or maybe three i don't know i forgot i got i think i got a mix up in my head which teams because i was looking at it earlier today but kansas state seems like the team that should be favored in that game and should be on their way to the elite eight and who are they going to play they're going to play the winner of florida atlantic and tennessee either one of those teams i mean tennessee's defense we saw what they did to duke but Tennessee is a matchup for Kansas State that I really think would be tough, but I think they could get by. And Florida Atlantic at this point is playing with house money. They're thirty—I mean, they've thirty-three win team, I guess now after the two tournament wins. But Florida Atlantic's a team that I mean could go, could continue this magical run. I, you know, obviously their conference is a lot weaker than most, and the thirty-one teams may look a little bit better than it actually is. But they're in the Sweet Sixteen. They're one of the sixteen teams playing, and I know that the, that people don't like to use this logic, saying that these are the sixteen best teams in the country because obviously we have teams like Princeton left and Florida Atlantic. But realistically, there are sixteen teams playing left in this tournament, and Florida Atlantic is one of them. So if they can win this game, get past a tough Tennessee team. An Elite Eight run, Kansas State versus Florida Atlantic. I, you know, maybe the Cinderella run ends for Florida Atlantic there. I think I like, obviously, like that matchup a little bit better for Kansas State. But realistically, we could see two Big 12 teams advancing to the Elite Eight and possibly the Final Four. I mean, Texas, if they win, they're got to get past the winner of Miami and Houston, which we saw Miami last year, I'm pretty sure it was. They made an Elite Eight run, and they have the guard play to do it. Isaiah Wong is incredible. So... It just all comes down to how these two teams end up doing this week. I think if they get past this week's games, Texas has a little bit harder. The two teams that they could face are probably a lot better than 
the teams that Kansas State could face. So I think Kansas State probably has the easiest path to the Final Four. But Texas is a very talented team. So I do not see this Texas team really taking a step back at all. So enough boasting about these teams that I unfortunately have to. Let's get back to the third question. How does the baseball team stack up with the Big 12? So obviously after the Dylan Carter injury, there were a lot of questions about how this team would perform, especially offensively. And boy, have they answered they've answered very very well they just won the series against oklahoma state two to one yesterday they had a run rule and it was amazing to see this team light up the scoreboard the freshmen the new guys that are coming in have been playing out of their mind they are 18 and 4 as a team right now and they are number 14 in the country which is the best ranked team in the big 12 Obviously, we have a a bunch of teams that are going to kind of make their late season runs. We'll have a few series that maybe we don't get the best of these teams. But as of right now, I like the way that this team looks, especially for how young they are. And when you're playing in the Big 12, no matter what the sport it seems to be, you're playing against some of the best teams in the nation. And yeah, I think the SEC and Big 10 kind of rule college baseball right now. But the Big 12 is still a tough conference, and we still have a lot of teams that can give any team a run for their money. So I really, really like the future of this baseball team. I think that we have a chance to be playing in the College World Series. Obviously, that's the expectation and the hope for every year when you have Tim Tadlock as your manager. But realistically, this baseball team has done an incredible job. And they have done an incredible job of being healthy. Obviously, knock on wood, that they remain healthy. Dylan Carter's injury kind of sucks, but I feel like there was a little bit of optimism of him returning sooner rather than later. Maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong. Maybe I haven't been seeing all of the reports that I could have found. But right now, obviously, he will miss some time, but hopefully he will be back to help kind of get into shape and kind of get back into the groove of things before we have to make that run to Omaha so realistically this baseball team can rely on its young guys and that just means experience that's one thing that I enjoy seeing about this baseball team is that these young guys are just going to keep getting better with the experience and it's going to lead to sustained success in the years to come when you have a team that has to rely on a lot of freshmen they can either answer the bell and show a lot of promise or they can kind of fold and show that immaturity and which is not a bad thing I mean that freshman playing against a lot of the best teams in the nation but show that kind of immaturity that's there and you know have some promise but maybe not keep the team afloat this baseball team is well above afloat and is going to make a lot of noise in the college baseball season i'm really looking forward to watching these next few series seeing how they can keep the success going and yeah that's something i'll definitely be looking forward to the final question of the day has to do with the women's basketball women's basketball team for Texas Tech. They're in the second round of the NIT, and I don't know. I forgot how that one works. I don't know if there how many exact teams are remaining. I think it's sixteen. But right now they beat UTEP in the first round, and they have a key game today in the second round. And the question is kind of like how important how how important has this run been, and how important will it be to keep this run going? So clearly the NIT is not nearly as important and for most teams i mean a lot of teams play in it and you know you want to have success and you want to let these seniors go out on a good note but 
Yeah, as we saw with the men's basketball team, some teams just choose not to play in it, like North Carolina and Michigan both declined for the men's side. So it's one of those things that it's not seen as being as important, but for these players that are kind of playing their last game probably ever, unless they get drafted into the WNBA, it's realistically their last game ever. And quite frankly, these types of things can be the catapult for next year you know we saw this with the football team and maybe it's a little bit different and obviously it's not the same structure but we saw going into this year the 2021-2022 season where we hired Joey McGuire but he wasn't our coach and we had Sonny Cumbie kind of finish the season you know we didn't make an amazing bowl game but we got a chance against a Mississippi State team to kind of give ourselves some momentum going into the next year under new head coach and now obviously our women's basketball team is probably going to keep the same staff and at least i hope so but getting a win in this game and kind of going forward and hopefully making a run maybe winning it all why not but just showing that this team didn't quit and showing that this team decided to keep on going when they could have easily just said well this season's a wash we didn't make the uh the NCAA tournament, so let's just kind of pack it in and come back next year, trying to try to build off of this year and see what we can do. Nope, they decided to dig down, play this game, and quite frankly, I think that this team has a good chance of advancing today at least. I want to see them. They play against SMU, which is a 17 and 12 team. They, I think that they have a good chance to win this game and. Hopefully keep on going forward and make a run. Go to this third round, get a good matchup. Not sure how the women's bracket is structured right now. But just realistically, anytime you can win more games and anytime you can go off on a good note, that just gives a boost to the program overall. And hopefully next year we see a little bit more improvement in the conference play. And maybe they can make the NCAA tournament next year. Maybe they can be at that top half of the Big 12 and finish with a better record, win those close games that they lost. I'm really looking forward to seeing the future of this team, and I'm really hoping that we can talk about them in the NCAA tournament next year. That would be crazy good for this Texas Tech athletics in general to not only have the men's side doing good and hopefully on the right track next year, but have the women's side also start to make noise. That would be crazy. That would be something that I am very much so looking forward to from these teams. And that concludes all of the questions that we have for today obviously it was a busy weekend with college basketball and as well as texas tech sports that are still going on or that are continuing to go on the men's track team the women's track team starting the outdoor season soon so hopefully we can talk about them going forward kind of making some noise in the national scene i don't see why not i have a lot of promise for those teams and i think that we will be talking about them at least the men's side for sure finishing in the top five in the nation the women's side hopefully making a push for that top 10 finish but realistically it's all about that baseball team now it's all about the track team and it's really just about how this team how the texas tech decides to move forward with their basketball team's head coach we have a good committee going forward trying to make that decision and hopefully we can get a decision within sooner rather than later obviously to help with recruiting helping with retaining guys the longer you go without having a head coach it's obviously a little bit you know 
troublesome for the players having to worry about what's going to go on in the future. But I believe that this Texas Tech team will find the right guy. I have a few names. Obviously, we've talked about them. So hopefully they can find the guy that will keep more of the guys than they'll lose. Uh, We've seen a few new names in the transfer portal. Robert Jennings, Elijah Fisher was in and out. Not sure where he is right now, but obviously with the – you know, turnover for this Texas Tech basketball team. It's going to be a new look next year. But hopefully we have that same core of guys, Kevin O'Banner obviously leaving and graduating. And, you know, I'm hoping to see that this recruiting class comes in and keeps this Texas Tech team afloat, gets them into the tournament next year. But regardless, we'll talk about that in another time. Thanks for joining me on this edition of the Monday Mailbag. It was amazing to talk to you guys, and I'll look forward to your questions next week.